podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you beauty! What a headshot! What a hit! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his luck. Well, hello there and welcome to this, your Champions League preview podcast here on the AI podcast channel. Wow. <laughs> what else can you say? Uh, a mad first leg. Who knows what's going to happen second leg. Um, I'm more nervous than I should be at 5-2, but this is Liverpool. And, you know, the Reds could be just 90 minutes away from a Champions League final. And who would have thought that at the start of the season? So um, I brought back with me two great guests from the first leg. Why not? Let's do it again. They are, of course, um, AS Roma 360 writer Scott Munro. Welcome along, Scott. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, let's, let's do this at 5 now. I was thinking the worst, but 5-2, it's, it's game on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we, 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 can't, um, we can't harangue you quite, quite like it, it, we, we could have done it at about the 78-minute yeah. mark, but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also here as well is uh, Anfield Index regular uh, Justin Wells. Welcome along again, Justin. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, as I was telling Scott at 5-0, he tweeted at us that he, he, you know, are you sure that you want to do this? But, uh, we, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, we saw you guys play against Barca. Now that, you know, now that three goal, uh, lead with you guys having some away goals does, you know, I, I feel good. I might even feel great, but I don't feel certain. And that's what's, uh, that's what's going to really nod me. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's the context. Um, Liverpool can be Liverpool. And also Roma, what they've done before, means that um, as we record this podcast, I am drinking a cup of tea and I am not cracking open the champagne. I am definitely not going to um, do anything like that. It's way too soon for me. I, I'm I'm too nervous and superstitious. So, um, well, let's get into it then. Scott, well, I mean, we'll come to you first mm-hmm. uh, from the away perspective, from Roma's perspective. Uh, just brief thoughts on that first leg. Um, it was, for me, it was a bit of a whirlwind for, you know, for, for so much. Um, I honestly thought Roma looked, they, they looked like they'd pretty much given up. Heads were dropping near the end and then all of a sudden a ray of hope and it's game on. Yeah, it's more like a deer in the headlights. Um, I think straight after when Mane missed those two chances, um, Roma did pretty well for like the first 20, 25 minutes. They got it the ball down and passing around and had a couple of good chances like that collar off shot which just happened in the blink of an eye and Carius literally had no idea what happened he just parried it onto the bar a bit weakly but then Liverpool was just very rampant and then it, they put the uh, the foot on the neck and just absolutely walloped Roman and uh, the, the back three didn't work uh, playing against a Trying to play that against a, t- a team who presses high and has three very quick forwards, it didn't didn't work. And I was a bit surprised that it took 
60, 65 minutes for Di Francesco to change his system, go, to go back to a 4-3-3 from the uh, the three four two one. But in the end, there's a there's a little glimmer of hope. We could see what Roma did to Barcelona, and maybe that they could use that to for next Wednesday. But in at the back of my mind, I know Liverpool will probably score on the Olympico and probably make it even more a harder challenge for Roma. Uh, so, Justin, coming across to yourself, I mean, as Scott mentioned there, you know, with with the back three that it didn't work for Roma. If I recall rightly, in our preview of the first leg, you actually mentioned you you hoped that they would play a back three because you quite fancied uh, the Liverpool front three coming up against the back three. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know at this point with all the evidence we've seen of teams playing back threes against us, um, why you do it. It leaves all the spaces that Salah, Mane and Firmino take advantage of. It, it's, it's, um, it's pretty much suicidal as far as uh, a managing tactic. We saw Guardiola basically push himself into that in the second leg. And once again, those three guys, once they, once Liverpool got a foothold in the game, took advantage of all, all of those spaces. So I just don't know why you do it against this. Um, but I, I'm glad they did. And I know that we're not seeing it in the second leg. So uh, um, what about your thoughts on that first leg then? Um, were you like me? Were you feeling rather, um, rather confident until until a goal hit and then you then you start to get worried because it, it you know 5-2 we should be elated but I feel like those two goals really kind of took a shine off what had happened before it yeah so I feel like there's the difference between the instant reaction of uh we just surrendered to like because I, I think everybody knows that going through 5-0 like the chances of overturning that that score line are are you know it's like a 95% chance that you won't 5-2 it's like maybe a like, I'd say we're, like, a 70% chance to advance. Like, it's still very strong in our favor, but Roma still can do something about it. I just think it's more the, if you tell me before the game, we're going to win 5-2, to two, but you don't tell me the order of the goals or the way in which it happens, I'm biting your hand off of that result. Like, it's a, it's a great, in a European tie, having a three-goal cushion going into the second leg, regardless of, regardless of the fact that you've given up two away goals, it's a great cushion to have because it means the other team has to try to play you and we're a team that does really, really well, and other teams have to try to play us. So, I am. I think it's. A, I think it's still a great result for us. It's just the way in which the two goals came, being late after that hour of football we played, which is, I think, the best hour I've seen Liverpool play in a European game ever. Um, it, it, you know, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a kick in the nuts, but it's not too big of one. Oh, do you think there's a psychological thing there then between whether? You say Roma had gone 2-0 up and then Liverpool come back and win 5-2. Do you think that that feels psychologically different for fans and the players as opposed to being 5-0 five, five up and then conceding two late goals? I don't think it does as much just because of the uh, the man that we have on the sideline. Uh, if you've noticed the one thing about this Klopp-managed Liverpool side, particularly, particularly this season, whenever there's a setback, and I consider those two goal, late goals a setback, the reaction is always stronger. So... Like, I'm not, I, I'm not in love with it. I'm not saying that it doesn't give Roma a chance. It gives them a great chance. Winning 3-0 on your own ground is something that teams can do with, you know, a decent amount of regularity, especially teams that are going to the last four of the Champions League. But I just love, I, I just think that Klopp will have them focused. And I don't think, and I don't think that this is going to, uh, I don't feel like it's going to be as devastating as it would be if we didn't have Klopp on the sideline. That's a fair point. <clears throat> and Scott, what about the Salah factor in that game then? Do, do you think that, as a as a former player, and and obviously as, as we spoke about, you know, a player that that left the club in 
you know, on such such good terms, you know, there is such a, a strong connection there between the club and the players. Still, do you, do you feel that potentially had a bit more of a a bit of an effect in addition to his just his ability on the pitch and the form that he's in this season? Yeah, uh, without doubt. And um, I imagine playing at Anfield with that much of a, a crowd as well. I think the roar just before kickoff was spinting and you'll never walk alone. Um, Salah was just different class on the night. Um, he had Juan Jesus, uh, pretty much the whole Roma back three, twisting and turning in knots. And um, yeah, I think it played a massive factor in the game because every time he got the ball, the Roma players were just flip-flopping, trying to get near him, and they got nowhere near it. And he took his, both his goals fantastically well. I think the second goal was probably even better than the first one. <sighs> they, uh, Roma players came out in the, in the press just before the game saying, I think they try to do a bit of mind games. Yeah, saying that, uh, yeah, we know how to play Salah. We know what to do. Um, Kevin Streetman came out and... 18 minutes, 85 minutes later, it was like 5-1 and there was just nothing we could do against him. Um, I, honestly, I don't know how they will play him on, on Wednesday because that's going to be a, a different ball game. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Is it? It's a whole different setup and different expectations and mm. I know tactically uh, things have got to be set up differently. So, uh, just factoring in those two away goals though, I mean, how important could those two away goals be? I mean, obviously, result-wise, it can be important, as we've seen with Roma in the previous round against Barcelona. But how important do you feel they are to to Roma coming off that pitch that they've got those two goals and and how they'll set themselves up for the second for the second oh, leg? Oh, it's 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 massive. Those those two away goals are massive. Honestly, I thought they could have got a third in the dying moments because they looked every time they broke as. Liverpool, some of the Liverpool players looked absolutely out, out on their feet. Henderson, Lovren, absolutely out on their feet. And then soon as, when Salah came off, the the, it, the game changed and Roma looked actually up for it. And they changed their system to a 4-3-3, which the players looked suited to. And those two away goals are massive. And it, I, in my head, I was just thinking, just get a third. This could have got very, very interesting. And you could only have to win 2-0 at home. And you could just see how deflated some of the fans would be looking in the crowd and the look on Klopp. But 5-2, the game is on. But if Liverpool can get something early in the Olympico, game game's over. And and Justin, uh, just the last bit for that game then, you know, I guess the same thing to yourself is those two away goals. I mean, how much effect do you think they might have in the mindset of Roma and, and the Liverpool team coming into this second leg? I don't think that they're going to have too much of a mindset in either side unless Roma scores early. Uh, I think it's very similar to how we approach this. It's very similar to how we approach uh, the City game. Because other because otherwise, we know that Roma are going to have to try to come out and score against us. Like, if it was a 1-0, we took a 1-0 advantage into the second leg, I'd feel significantly more nervous than with a three-goal cushion. Yeah, I, I, I can certainly testify to that. Um, I, I just thinking, you know, coming off the back of the the first leg against Manchester City, you know, a three nil win, and it was spoke about then the importance of having that clean sheet, you know, to take into that second leg, and then any away goals are the bonus. You know, you think that those away goals just really do offer that glimmer of hope to Roma that, um, and p- potentially an early goal makes Liverpool nervous. I do. I, I really, really think the early goal is would be the problem. Mm. So, 
Scott, then let's look at the uh, the second leg. Actually, sorry, before before we actually start to, to look at the game, um, just briefly, we'll talk about something that happened <clears throat> before before the match took place outside the stadium. Um, a Liverpool fan attacked, brutally attacked, um, in critical condition in hospital. Um, obviously, we hope he can pull through and, and he's going to be okay. But uh, thoughts from from your perspective uh, as a Roma fan towards the, what happened? It, the, some of the scenes, some of the video footage I've seen on um, social media is quite harrowing and it's quite disturbing to see. Um, the, the Roma fans that have been charged, um, I read a story and I've actually heard some stuff saying that they weren't part of the the group that actually travelled into the into uh, to the stadium because. I, I gather the majority of the Liverpool, uh, sorry, the Roma fans were in the ground hours before kickoff, and then they would stay behind. I think an hour and a half after kickoff. Um, it, it's not a good sight. It's it's cowards and they're thugs for what they're doing. Um, what they did was um, what is quite common in Italy and quite common in the ultra is um, with the bouts and they try and hit people with the bout buckles and. It's not very good at all, and I just really hope that um, the Liverpool fan from Ireland pulls through because it's it's not looking good for the Romans fans at all. No, I, I mean, and it's got to be said in fairness, you know, this is not the first occurrence. You know, there, there's been a number of different incidents over oh, yeah. over Without the years, and it's yeah, and it's is it is it would it be a concern of yours then for the the ramifications to the club or do you feel like your wafer might be in a position where they've actually got to act and do something yeah um i'm seeing something today that roma fans i think if roma qualify for the champions league next season i think some some games um away fans may not travel um which i think is it's quite fair um mm. I think stadium bans for some fans could happen. I, I read today that another Roma fan got um, got charged and fined 415 quid for throwing coins onto the pitch at players. I, I think that's a petty, petty fine. It could be fine. It could be fined a bit more. But yeah, the damages for Roma for for that incident could be could be a lot worse. Mm. Uh, and Justin, uh, your thoughts on? On a awful incident, uh, the the kind of thing that we really don't want to see, isn't it? That you know, we're talking about the the atmosphere before before the match, you know, where the fans are lined in the street and we've we've got the smoke one going off and it the look, it, you know, it looks spectacular, uh, fans mingling. That's you, that's the kind of thing you want to see. This is the kind of stuff that we really do not need, and and for me has no no place, never has had any place in football or any sport. Yeah, I, I, it has absolutely no place, and I, I just don't understand how, um, and I know that there are effectively hooligans from every place, right? So when I say this, I'm not saying this just to single out the uh, Itali- Italian fans, but there is a long streak of Italian ultra culture, which is just very, very violent, and it just seems like they're not even there for the games. They're there to cause trouble, and that's really what needs to be weeded out. You know what? There's always going to be so. There's always going to be social strife and issues with in the world. But at least can we just leave football alone and let football fans watch football games without getting hurt? Like that's really what I'd like to see happen. And I hope in the return leg nothing happens. That, that's basically it. I just hope that everybody is safe in the return leg. I hope that the police in Rome do a good enough job keeping Liverpool supporters away from 
ultras, right? Because uh, that's what really needs to happen. Just keep them separated, make sure that the game goes off without a hitch, let everybody get on their planes home, and then, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll see what happens to the supporters who caused the, tr- who caused, uh, you know, the trouble at Anfield, and hopefully there's none in Rome. Uh, and, you know, not the, the entire fan base in Roma doesn't deserve to be, uh, slapped with a, a stick of being violent thugs because just a few of them are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we hope the fan pulls through and, and, and certainly we hope everybody's safe on the, in the away leg that, uh, that there's no repeat of any, any trouble, but, you know, or anything from either side. We just, just don't need to see it. Don't want to see it. So let, let's get back to the game and, um, you know, more important, th- uh, not more important things to talk about. Um, what should be the, you know, the most important thing? What should be the only thing going on? And that is, you know, is the football match. So second leg, um, Scott. Just how do Roma approach this this match uh, from a tactical standpoint? Then uh, you, you know, you talked about the the back three and the issues that Roma had with that. Do you, do you feel that that's it that they'll abandon that and it's it's going to be a four three three? Yeah, I think um, Di Francesco will probably scrap. I will not will probably more than likely scrap the back three because um, you could see after sixty sixty five minutes. After, I think after Liverpool scored their fifth goal, a couple of players were going over to him, mainly Edin Dzeko and Rajin Anglin, were going, "What the hell? What is going on?" what we need to change the system and um, he made a double sub and then went back to a 4-3-3 and they look more comfortable and I think they will do that uh, in the second leg I think there'll be ta- uh, there'll be changes personnel wise I think um, Dia Perotti and probably Stefano Sharari will come in for the two wide areas to support Ed and Dzeko and maybe Daniele De Rossi might be um, might be axed for Maxime Gonolons and uh, they'll go to a back Flat four, which will probably help the the two wide, sort of two wide guys, two full backs to bomb forward and help the attackers. But yeah, they Roma need to attack and push uh, Liverpool onto the back foot. And if they get get the early goal, it, um, they can get they can get more, and it could be a repeat of the Barcelona game. But if Liverpool nab the away goal, it could be curtains for for Roma, and Liverpool will be on the way to Kiev to face Real Madrid. Mm, yeah, it's yeah, it is, it is looking like Real Madrid in the other one. Um, what was mentioned or what was was put to the wrong manager was the high line that he employed, and there was a lot of criticism around that. But he he kind of um, he refuted that. He didn't want to accept any criticism of his tactics, and and it was just you know he was saying it's just about the players on the pitch. So, it, do you think that? That that you know, that there's anything in that the high line, you know, again, again, you know, playing the high line against this Liverpool attack, particularly with the pace of Salah and and Mane, and the you know the work rate and creativity of, of Firmino, that it's it is quite um, um, a dangerous thing to to employ. Yeah, it was a bit suicidal, especially when you're five nil down as well. Yeah, he um, he threw his players under the bus, saying that his players didn't pretty much were of him and he should never have went for that higher line they do it in Italy because uh, not a lot of the teams play with pace they try to be a bit more intricate and try to get the ball out wide but when you're playing against a team who like to play rock and roll football it, it doesn't work um, I'm just hoping in the second leg he doesn't play with that much of a high line Jesus Christ that was literally on the halfway line any ball over the top Liverpool players were 
it was just dangerous for you guys to attack on. Like Andrew Robertson was just playing balls over the top, and Vinaldum, who came on for Oxlade Chamberlain, who sadly that knee injury it looks worse than it was. Looks like he's going to miss the World Cup. Um, he was just making runs in behind the the Roman midfield and the Roman back three, and it was just causing so much chaos and. Uh, just time and time again, and then the BT Sport commentators were picking up on it. Even if if Glenn Hoddle picks on up on it, you know there's something wrong with your tactics. And it just like time after time, it was just happening. I'm just hoping he can just not play that much of a high line. It was just very suicidal, and it was just asking for trouble. Yeah, I've seen a quote from De Rossi uh, complaining about uh, the number of long balls that Liverpool have played. But yeah, I guess with that kind of pace and attack. And the invitation that you're leaving, um, you're, that you are extending by sitting on the halfway line, I think it's you know with a game to win uh, in a competition like this, if it's on, it's on, isn't it? And you're going to yeah. take that invitation. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and it's, especially with Roman like to press. What do you do to uh, to uh, to go over the press? You play high balls for your for your midfield runners and your strikers to run onto and to run onto the defence, and it it just causes utter utter chaos. So do you do you think it's almost? I mean, well, first of all, do Roma generally like to play that high line at home in Syria? And then, and if they do, do you feel like because of the scoreline and the fact that Roma have got to attack that they've almost forced into having to do that in the second leg? Yes, and yes, yeah. Roma have been playing with a high line with not very quick-ish defenders. Only Costas Manolas is probably the quickest out of the the back four. Um, Fazio. Um, bless him. He's very good in the air. <laughs> he, was, he was running in treacle some, sometimes trying to ca- catch up with Mane and especially Juan Jesus is trying to catch up with Salah. Yeah, it didn't look good. Roma, like, they like to play at a high-ish line, but the midfield has sort of got to help out as well. If the midfield doesn't help out and win its battles, you're in a, a losing cause. And yeah, especially within the second leg, Roma need to attack and need to push bodies forward. If Liverpool break and just leave a, a, a 1v1 or a 3 by 3 on a high line, yeah, it's pretty much game over. So do you feel that, um, given the scoreline then, that Roma have got to got to come out attacking from the from the very offset in the game? You know, the, the three-goal target is there. Is, is the temptation to, to maybe sit and take control of the game first? Uh, maybe take the sting out of anything that Liverpool might have before starting attacking, or do you think that that's it? Roma will go for it from the very beginning. Um, I think if they can get an early goal, a la they did in the quarter-final second leg, they will probably try and go out and attack. But if Liverpool, or like Liverpool like to do on the clock, they like to go gung-ho and literally kill the game off after 30 minutes. If they can just try and avoid that, they'll probably try and pick up pick Liverpool off because Liverpool do tire quite quite late on in games, but that might be a bit, little bit too late for them. But as I said, if they can get an early goal, I think they will try and attack. And you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that that is true. As you know, we've seen it before. Yeah, it, it just in the last round. So I mean, the, the warning signs are there. Uh, Justin, you know, as we were just saying, the, the warning signs are there that they've done it before, and obviously, you know, the, you know that they're capable of doing it again. So, you know, given that. As Scott's mentioned, you know, Roma are likely to play that high line against Liverpool. How do you feel that Liverpool will approach it? Do you think it will be the temptation to kind of sit beat, uh, sit deep, try and absorb a bit of pressure in the quick counter-attack? Or do you think it will be more of, you know, sort of go 
be sort of uh, try and get on the front foot from the very beginning and, and then just kill the game off with an early goal? I think it's going to be the latter, try to get the early goal and try to kill the game off that way. Um, we saw what happened against City where we tried to, when we tried to absorb a lot of pressure. Um, I don't know about you, but in that second leg, I lost like a year of my life. Uh, I don't think that we're going to try to do that again. I, I just, I, it's because, you know, I don't think that we have the, at this point also with how threadbare the squad is at the moment, at this moment with our injury crisis, we don't have the players that can do that. So I think Klopp knows that. And I think basically what he's going to try to do is just try to find a way in score early. Um, because effectively, I think that there's two things that we know will happen here. Roma's going to score in this game, but I think we will too. So I guess the question is, when do we score? And is it one of those that puts them so on the back feet where they have to attack and we can then really, you know, just play them off the counter and just nip opportunities? And I think that's more likely. I think we're more likely to try to bring the game to them early and then, you know, see what see what happens rather than we are to say, okay, let's do what we did in the first half against City again because I don't think anybody liked that. No, I, I think... It's it's a temptation, is it, with the three goal cushion too? Think we we're going to sit and absorb, and then we'll counter attack you with the pace that we've got. You know, we'll we'll draw you in and then hit you. But this is not Rafa Benitez Liverpool. This is Jurgen Klopp Liverpool, and we don't, as you said, you know, we don't tend to be too comfortable at, at and and too good at absorbing that kind of pressure. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen it as well when Liverpool make changes late on in games, when they bring on a, another defender to go like to a back three, we get deeper and we just look more and more vulnerable rather than being actually stronger. So it's, you feel that Liverpool really for this, to win this early, have got to play to their strengths and just go out there, go for it. Exactly. That's what they have. That's what they have to do. I can't see any other way. Yeah. Just play the normal Liverpool way, forget the scoreline and uh, early goal, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, it comes down to the ultimate question that every supporter right now has, and even Klopp admitted to it this week when he was talking about the person I'm going to bring up. Do you want 90 minutes of Dejan Lovring having to keep perfect co- concentration while being attacked? I don't. I absolutely don't. That's my biggest nightmare as a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, not wanting to pick on any you know particular player, but yeah, it, <laughs> He he did have his moments there at the end of the game. It, it tends to be when he makes a mistake, he, he he follows it up with with a few more mistakes. And yeah, you don't want to be in a pressure situation where their mistakes are so telling. Because I think the other factor here for Liverpool is just how threadbare the squad is. Um, you know, Oxley Chamberlain getting injured. Um, so many, you know, other key players being injured as well. That that Liverpool are when it comes to midfield and attack, they they're pretty much down to. A first eleven, and that's it. There's nothing really to to bring on, bring off the bench, and uh, of comparable quality, is there? No, I mean, unless I, I, we're going to find out about some of the kids, I think probably at some point sooner rather than we want to. I suspect that that's going to be Saturday because I don't see Klopp bring throwing uh, Curtis Jones or uh, Rafa Camacho into a uh, second leg versus Roma at the Stadio Olimpico. That is just asking for the occasion to get to someone. Now, I wouldn't be shocked to see something like, well, no, actually, I would be shocked to see in a Champions League game Trent Alexander-Arnold thrown into midfield and Nathaniel Klein thrown into uh, into the right back spot because Klein's only played, I think, one 90-minute run all year. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's all it's all going to be around um, the 11 that got us through the last 65 minutes of this game or that, you know, they were there during that one hour, that hour spell where we were completely and totally sublime. 
are going to have to do are going to have to approximate some some uh, aspect of that intensity for a large aspect of this match. Yeah, it's it's good. It, it's a, it's mad, isn't it? At five to up, it's going to be a tough ask. You got to make sure you get through a certain amount of the of the game, and then um, hopefully be smart enough to see it through. Yep. I mean, the other thing too is just we please don't take Salah off. <laughs> we drop whenever he comes off. <laughs> yes, I mean, well, just on that then, um, for Liverpool in this game, then who are the key players? Is it just the front three then? Or do you think there's anyone else that's going to be key to Liverpool um, navigating this tie without us all losing a couple more years of our lives? Um, I, so I think for the first match, I said that my key man was Lovren. And he, you know, did actually a really good job, except for the, the one minute of concentration he, he lost and then towards the end of the match. Um, but I'm actually going to go to the other side of the defense today for the next match. I think this match, as far as marshalling and controlling it, is all is going to be the biggest test yet that we've seen for the combination of Loris Carries and Virgil Van Dyke. Uh, they need they need to basically make sure they were organized as could possibly be and pull off an approximation of you know the second leg where we found Leroy Sane basically camped in an offside position. Um, whatever what we did defensively against City is what we need to do defensively here, and that's largely on those two guys to uh, you know organize organize everything, keep the line straight, and ensure that the back four is. Uh, you know, a unit rather than four indi- four individuals and a keeper. And Scott, what about for Roma then? Key players, if Roma are going to get back to this, I mean, the key is it not just about Edin Dzeko and the supply to him getting the goals, but also at the other end, how do you how do you deal with that potential threat of of Liverpool on the break and and Mo Salah, you know, taking over again? I think the back four is going to have to be crucial. Um, if if he actually does go to a back four, the centre-back pairing of Manolas and Fazio will have to be on their game for the, the full 90-plus minutes to, on concentration just to keep the, the front three very, very quiet. Um, I think whoever plays in the two wide areas, um, if it's Diego Perotti and Stefano Schuari, they will actually be key just to to support and feed Dzeko into the, to, into the spaces and attempts on goal and Rajin Angelan who looked very very frustrated in the first leg because nothing he did came came off um, he's going to be very very crucial for for Roma and whoever plays in the defensive midfield role um, if it's Gonalons or Daniele De Rossi who looks off his game I don't know if he got injured with, after a clash with James Milner um, whoever plays in that role is, is going to be crucial because Roma like to play uh, out from the back, um, whoever's the water carrier in, in the midfield three likes to spray the balls out to to the forwards or to the wide guys, and that starts off the attack. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So it's that time of the pod. Then I've got to ask you predictions, match predictions. Scott, I'll let you go first. You're, you're the home side. Um, can they do it? Can Roma pull off the uh, the unthinkable again? Well, lightning doesn't strike twice, does it? But if it does, Roma have got the gods on their side. And <laughs> um, um, you probably see a lot of Roma fans trying to book their tickets for Kiev. But my heart says Roma 3-0, but my head says Roma 2-1. I can see Liverpool scoring. Mm. I I can certainly see Liverpool scoring, but yeah, I, I can also see Roma scoring, and I'm yeah. just not sure how many. How so many, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's that that's the thing that's going to get me. Uh, so Justin, 
what about yourself um how do you see how do you see this one ending up uh i i think that we're going to be the first team to score at the olympico in the champions league this season i'm going with a a 3-2 win to liverpool Ooh, very very Go. brave goals goals oh. goals i think yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there are going to be goals in this because you have one side chasing it and it's something that, like, uh, I go back to, uh, and Andy will remember this very well as, uh, as well, the o- the 08 semifinal between Liverpool and Chelsea. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Where, where, yeah. where we, uh, where Liverpool leaves, uh, Anfield down 3-1 and goes into Chelsea basically just playing all out attack. One of the best games I've ever seen, but I think it was, I think that game finished, uh, 6 to 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, I don't think I could take that. Yeah, I mean, that was, I- that was the beauty of that. It was it's finished six four because of the fact that I mean Rafa was still there, but Mourinho had, had fallen out with Abramovich for what feels like the you know twenty seventh time and finally was gone. So it was it was it was uh, Avram Grant managing Chelsea for that one, and they actually were like, well, shit, if they're attacking us, we should attack them. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I I don't think my blood pressure could take six four <laughs> either way. No, nobody's no blood pressure. Right? Nobody's can. <laughs> Nor could I. As I as as, as a Swindon fan who sat through a five five playoff semi against Sheffield United a couple of years ago, I I can't do that again. No, I I I. Yeah, I definitely couldn't take that myself. Definitely no. not. It, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like us to score goals, but yeah, six four to either side would just be uh, yeah too much. Um, I don't think we're going to get anything quite like that, but I do think we get goals for it for both sides. Um, so I get last word then. You know whether Scott, whether it's whether you know it's another incredible comeback and Rome will go through to the final, or you know they fall short and and they go out the semi final stage. You, you, what would what would be your overall assessment of this uh, Champions League season for Roma? Oh, without doubt, probably an A. It's been, I'm very proud of this Roma side in the Champions League. They exceeded all expectations, especially to get out of the Champions League group with Chelsea and Atletico, and with Atletico playing Arsenal tonight in the Europa League and actually topping that group and then beating Shakhtar, beating Barcelona. Um, Evidently not doing very well in the first leg, but grabbing something out of it. Whatever happens on on Wednesday night at the Olympico, I'm proud of this Roman team for what they've done in the Champions League this season. And you never know. You actually never know. Football is a very, very funny game. Yeah, as the uh, as the old adage goes. Uh, and Justin, similar for yourself then, would, would you think for Liverpool that, I mean, it's... It, it should be unthinkable at this stage. Five to look, five two up. Um, you certainly hope that this isn't it, and we've still got you know another chapter to be written in this incredible story uh, of uh, of a what a roller coaster, a mind blowing season. But if if it does happen, I mean, overall, would you be just you know really really uh, pleased with with this campaign? Yeah. So. I mean, I think it obviously depends. If Roma comes back on us and, and, and advances to the final, um, first thing, if they come back 5-2 down and advance to the final, I will have nothing but positive things to say about Roma because if you overturn that and you do that two rounds in a row, what am I going to do? Hats off. That's, that's just amazing. But from a Liverpool perspective, if that does happen, I will be in the short term bitterly disappointed. But when I look back on it, I'll be... It is more than I expected out of this Liverpool side. I expected, you know, maybe win a round in the knockout stages, go out to probably one of the, uh, you know, the European powerhouses, 
and hopefully use it as a springing a springboard to announce that Liverpool are back in Europe and we're a force. But um, Klopp and company had designs on making that happen sooner than I uh, anticipated, and I am perfectly good with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. And hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I will be back with just one more Champions League preview show for th- for this season because, um, you know, hey, Liverpool, why end it here? It's been beautiful, so let's keep it going, shall we? But for now, anyway, that is that is it. Um, it's going to be... <sighs> It's going to be a hell of a night, which, whichever way it goes. It's going to be nervous, exciting, potentially exhilarating. Um, let's hope it's, it's a positive end and let, on and off the pitch. Let's hope everything's positive, but um, it's going to be a hell of a night either way. So let's look forward to it. But for now, that's it for this podcast. So my thanks to Scott Munro and to Justin Wales and our thanks to all of you for tuning in and listening. And as I said, hopefully, guys, hopefully we'll be back for one more show before a certain match in Kiev uh, in late May. So until then, though, I say until then, that's me being uh, superstitious. (laughs) Let's hopefully until then from me, Andy Wells. It's bye-bye. Network.